Hey, what's up, New Life? Well, I got to say, first service was way better than you guys today. I just want to just throw that out there. Um, So, uh, quickly, if you are here for the very first time, I want to say welcome to you. So glad you're here. My name is Stan Rada. I'm the pastor of this campus for New Life Christian Church. If you're wondering why we talk campus pastor language, it's because there's more than one of us. There is a, another part of New Life that meets in Chantilly at a place called the End Zone. People doing exactly what we're doing today. Uh, and so that's why we use that language to kind of identify where we're at and what we're up to. We are the Linton Hall campus of New Life Christian Church. Um, so we have been in a series of messages over the last few weeks um, called Made. And what we've been saying through the series is simply, what is it that you are made to do? Who are you made to be? Um, And one of the biggest, maybe one of the biggest mistakes we can make is going through life not knowing who God has created us to be, what he's created us to do, and actually walking in the purposes of God for our lives, kind of going through life going, I don't really know why I'm here. I don't really know what I'm doing here. And so uh, today we are following up on what we said last week. Last week we said you're made to follow. You're made to follow Jesus. Um, If you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it or watch it online or whatever. Um, But that message is setting us up today in the follow-up of Jesus' words. You're made to follow, but you are also made to make disciples. And so kind of to help me walk through this today, because I know that language can be scary, is a friend of mine, a guy who's training and discipling me. His name's Jeff McDaniel. Jeff, I want you to go ahead and come up on stage here. Uh, My friend, come and join us. You can give him a hand. Let him know you're glad he's here. So uh, Jeff and I, we're just going to kind of have a conversation uh, here today about what it means to, to make disciples and uh, who we're created to be on that front and what Jesus is trying to call us into. Um, so by way of quick introduction here for Jeff, Jeff is um, Jeff's an Army guy, trained, as, uh, trained up as an Army Ranger, uh, still doing the Army thing to, to some extent, um, being sent all around the globe by the government and uses that to make disciples where he's at. Um, Jeff and his wife, Beth, Beth's over here. Um, Jeff and Beth together over the last two, two and a half years have trained more than 1,000 people in, uh, in being disciples, being made, uh, becoming disciple makers. Um, over here as well, part of his uh, crew, some of his uh, churches over here as well. His kids are here. And uh, who, Who's your guy? Rick. That's Rick. Rick, what's up, Rick? Rick nice to you have you today. Can you stand up and give us a little dance yeah, or something? Give us a yeah, dance, a little, uh, you know, something to kind of, oh, there he is. Okay. So uh, he, he's with, with Jeff, um, and so Jeff and Beth have uh, a lot of stories that they could share on that front. Before we dive into all the content we want to get to today, um, we're just going to stop. We're going to have a word of prayer, ask God to be with us um, as we hear from, uh, as we hear from Jeff and even more importantly, as we hear from uh, God today about uh, what we are supposed to, uh, who we're supposed to be. So let's let's just go to God in prayer. Father, we uh, we pause for a moment in humility, and we admit, God, that we uh, sometimes this idea of making disciples just scares us to death, and that we don't know what it means 
what it means for us specifically and how to even be a part. God, we ask that you would speak to each person in the room today, that every single person would hear your voice, that you would call to some level, to some degree, each person to follow your son, to hear his voice, to obey. God, may we just be a couple of guys on stage who are pointing people to you. God, this isn't about uh, what I have to say or what Jeff has to say. This is ultimately about, God, what you are doing in your kingdom and how you are shaping and moving each person forward. So God, we pray that you would be with us in this time. We would hear you and we would follow whatever it is you ask us to do next. God, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So if I had to have kind of a a vision for the day to try to set up our morning here together, it would simply be this. I think one of the mistakes that we are making and have made in the Western, uh, when we look at the church through a Western lens, when we look at the church that way, what becomes Christianity is show up next Sunday. And what we've done is we've, we've raised and trained people to believe that Christianity means showing up next week. That the great adventure that God has called us to is to show up next Sunday, write a check, and maybe burp some babies. Like, that, that, this is the best that we can do in the next 60 years until I die. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I think what we're really missing in that is the simple fact that that is not the adventure that God has in mind for us. That there is a... There is something that Jesus is trying to lead us and invite us into that pushes us out into deep waters, into scary waters, into things that don't always make sense to us that is not, hey, just show up again next week. And so uh, as soon as we kind of walk this path, our hope today is really to bring some clarity to what we mean when we say you are made to make disciples. And that doesn't just mean, oh, we hope you come back next week. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to start with just a story to kind of kick us off on what this looks like, what it means, and Jeff, you get to, you get to lead the way. Awesome. So we'll tell a story. Um, first, I think that chair was the chair I had the first time. Oh, do you this want one this one? Too. No. I'll we'll, switch you. No, it'll be okay. Well, we'll, no, try, we'll try it Jeff, out. We'll try it you out. Just, we'll well, it Jeff just had back surgery last Tuesday because of what he does for our country as an Army boy. And so uh, if you want the better I thought chair. it would be good to talk to you guys today like on lots of back surgery drugs. So Best sermon no, ever I'm just today. Kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm on no drugs today. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right. No, so. he's not. Oh, okay. Oh, what? <laughs> All right, so I'll give you, I'll give you uh, one story from a couple weeks ago just to get us started, right? So um, in our church, we were, we were training that week, uh, a couple weeks ago, on lordship. And we were talking about what is lordship, how do we do lordship, how, wh- what's an application for lordship. And so what we came up with was to have a date with God. So think about like if you were dating someone, anything that you would do, right? So if, you, if, if you're dating, you might go out and buy flowers or write a love note or a poem or, or buy chocolate. So the application goal was do that with God this week. Make a time to go on a date, actually go buy flowers, bring them out like in the woods or go to your alone place with God and bring God flowers and spend time to just connect with him. Right, so one of the gals that uh, Beth is discipling, key gal, amazing woman, Rebecca. We call her Reebok. So Reebok plans her date with God, right? And she goes out and she goes out and spends time alone with God, and just like cloud nine comes back, connects with God, like just an amazing time. And her husband Mladen, he's in Afghanistan. 
I love that guy. Amazing stories. We'll tell Maladin stories later. Funny as all can be. Uh, so she uses his car because he's in Afghanistan, right? So she comes back from her time with God and the car doesn't start, right? Isn't that how Satan works? Like, okay. So our church is really connected on GroupMe. And so we're all in there, one big group chat, right? And we talk to each other all day, every day, sometimes more than some of us want, you know, millions of text messages going on but so Rebecca immediately contacts the church like hey I got my next meeting I thought she was going to disciple another girl I think she was just going to meet a girl no matter what she's like I got another meeting Uh, I need cars dead can somebody help right and literally it was Rick Rick was the one right away he popped up he was just the first one who could get to it but a couple people I think were ready but Rick was like on it right so Rick immediately starts driving out picks up Rebecca takes her to her next spot Rebecca then calls the tow truck guy. So she goes back to Maladin's car. Tow truck man's there. His name's Dan. Uh, Dan's been doing this for 25 years. He starts pulling Maladin's car up onto the tow truck, and the chain breaks. And the car comes flying down, runs Dan over. Dan's stuck under the car, pulls him out into the woods. Car smashes into the tree, and Dan's under the car. And Rebecca, like, immediately goes into shock. And while in shock, Rebecca's first instinct is to call the one who's discipling her. Because it's not like a a thing we do at church. It's a real life. Like Reebok lives at our house practically. So her first call is to Beth. Because discipleship is so relational. And you guys, we'll get into this, but women are so much better at discipleship than, than men. Like my wife destroys me as a disciple maker. Rebecca calls Beth. And Beth drops everything. We were in the middle of something. She drops everything and immediately goes to Rebecca and shows up. And Rebecca is like in shock. And Beth shows up and Rebecca's just like wide eyes. And she's like, my Maladin's car is in the woods. His freaking car is in the woods. And Beth is like, okay, okay. And is consoling her. And then Beth is like, Rebecca, there's a dead man under your car. Like, he, there's a dead guy in there. And Rebecca's like, Maladin's car is in the woods. And she's like, yeah, yeah, but there's a dead guy. And she's like, no, Maladin's car is in the woods. And Beth is like, okay, let me go check on this dead guy. So Beth comes over, like, kicks him and Oh, wait, he's not dead. Like, he's only mostly he's dead. only mostly dead. So Beth starts working on this guy, right, to get this dead dude out from underneath the car ambulance comes like this guy's busted up bad like he's got broken ribs he's bloody like it's bad right so he goes into the hospital now again discipleship is relational right it's this there's no magic you guys it's parenting right we parent people into spiritual maturity so Maladin is one of my key guys so I call him my kid right Rebecca's Beth's kid and and we have this term of endearment with our family, our church. It's literally a family. They come out all the time. So my kids, I don't know what's going on. I'm not privy to this, right? So the next couple days, there's stuff going on with my kids that I don't know. I'm getting calls from Afghanistan. Maladin calls me to say, Jeff, this is really important. My car is at the body shop. I need you to go share the gospel with all of them. Can you do it for me? That's what my kids are asking me from Afghanistan. And I'm like, Done. So I go over there, share the gospel with all of them. It was like hitting brick walls. So I'm like, I call him back. Hey, brother, that's, that's not, the spirit wasn't there. Uh, keep praying. <laughs> so two days later, Dan Dan, the tow truck man, that's what we call him now, 
Dan Dan, the tow truck man, shows up at my house. He's on my porch. And Dan is like, whatever you guys are doing, I'm all in. I'm like, what? So I start hearing, Rebecca, from the get-go, all she's telling Dan is, we don't care about the car. How are you, Dan? We care about you. Dan, where are you at spiritually? How are you spiritually, Dan? This didn't happen for no reason. Same time, he's getting pinged from Afghanistan. Dan, Dan, the tow truck man, stranger in Afghanistan, who's saying, Dan, I heard the car ran you over. How are you doing? Are you okay? Dan, what can we do for you? Dan owns this business, right? So Dan finds out the car's totaled, and it's going to be a ton of money, right? So Dan comes back to Mulatten and says, hey, Blue Book Value says 5000 Between us, that car was not anywhere close to 5000 It's it, it, It's due, right? It's due to be gone. <laughs> so Dan says, I'll just give you 5000 because that's what the Blue Book's worth on it, and it's, it's done. So I, rather than insurance, all this stuff. So Mulatten prays about it comes back to Dan and says, Dan, I prayed about it and my car's not worth 5000 So I know you're willing to give me five, but let's settle on three. Right? Dan comes to me. Whatever you guys are doing, I'm all in. I'm an evangelist, right? So my heart is immediately like, let's, <laughs> let's seal the deal, pal. Like, let's get you wet right now. So I'm talking through with Dan, and Dan is like, there's no work to be done. The Spirit did it. That soil is tilled, guys. He's like, he's just ready. So literally, a couple sentences, and Dan and I are walking into, I'm ready to surrender to Christ. I want to I be what these guys are to me, right? So Dan makes a commitment to Christ. I train Dan right then and there. Dan, you got this amazing story like, dude, you just got run over by a car, man. God uses big things to get a hold of you, pal. And so Dan learns his story. He learns how to share his story in two minutes or less. Dan goes out within 24 hours, shares it with 10 people. I think he's up to 15 now that he's been sharing his story with. Dan is in our group chat. We can pull him up right now if you guys want. We'll tax him. Hey, Dan, we're talking about you. Um, He's a part of the family, and that's kind of how we do discipleship. And I think that if, if, I was to, to, if I were to ask you guys, okay, you're going through church, you're doing the church thing, and, and maybe you hear that story and you're like, man, what I wouldn't give to have a story like that. I'd love to have that kind of happen. But what it is is we lens it through Western eyes, and what we think is, oh, in order to do the next thing, I need to be in a small group. And I should go and I should sit. And then we, we relegate small group to that kind of community. And we say, that's my community. That's my discipleship. So we look at our watch on Sunday night, Tuesday night, Friday morning, whenever we're doing our group. And we say, oh, honey, uh, I'm going to be late for my discipleship. And it's just that one thing that we rel- – and that's what we've made it. We've just made it that one group thing that we do. And then so to get to a story like that, Jesus shows up. It makes a pretty powerful invite in Matthew chapter 4. Hmm. Yeah. So Matthew 4, 19 says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And when we read it just like that, we can kind of skim over that, right? But check this out. Listen to this. If I say it a little bit different, tell me if this changes things for you. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Does that emphasis change it a little bit for you? Yeah. What Jesus is saying is, if we're going to follow him, then the thing that we will become 
no other options, what we will become is a fisher of men, right? Here's the deal, though, guys. We skip straight to that. We just look at fishers of men. There's a couple things before that. Number one, come. That's a verb, right? Okay, that's an action item for us. So we have to come to him. We're not talking about just show up at church. We're not talking about just join the Christian team. Jesus is saying, come to me. That's different. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Follow me. Follow me is relational. That's what my wife was talking about. That's why women are so good at this stuff. Because follow me, follow me is so much more. It's becoming like Jesus. It's not just like learn some evangelism tools and go out and share the gospel. We're going to get to that as well. That's totally different, right? Follow me is become like me. I, I'm a communication guy. That's, that's what I do. That's, that's my specialty. I, I, that's what I studied. Um, I, I believe wholeheartedly that church in America and, and discipleship in particular, we have a huge communication problem. And here's why I say that. <laughs> stand, I, I said this the first time, but Stan didn't like this. This form of communication where I just give you words, least effective way to communicate for change. And I was offended because that's what I was trained to do. <laughs> Look at how we're set up. It's school, guys. In America, that's what we value is information. Give me more information. If I have more information, then I'm good. That's the worst way to communicate, just giving you information, right? Animal kingdom, animal kingdom doesn't do that. Watch the little birds teaching their babies to fly. They don't sit them down and give them a lesson. They demonstrate. They model for them, right? Okay, so think about this. In, in John 1, in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That The Word there for Word, Logos, right? Capital W, Word, is not like in here. It's not the ink on paper. Word there means like the concept of God. So think about something in your head right now, right? You got a concept. If you want to give me that concept, you have to package it in a vehicle to be able to send it to me. That's how communication works. Communication is sending that thought, that concept out and it received by someone else. The worst way to do that is the way we're doing it right now. The best way to do that is to package it in a body and live it for 33 years. If a picture's worth a thousand words, how many do you think 33 years of life is worth? So the best, most effective way to communicate God is to model it through a life. That is what my wife is so good at doing. I like to come talk to people, right? Because I just, I, I talk. My wife lives it. Her discipleship is so much fun. The come, follow me, she, she really lives the 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, right? Come, follow me as I follow Christ. She takes her girls to the beach. They, get, they rent like this big glitzy apartment on the beach and she's got all her gals out there and she's modeling for them at the beach how to live life and pursue Jesus being real. And I get stories of them coming back like laughing, having fun, walking down the boardwalk, and she's modeling for all the gals how to interact in real life on vacation, real life on vacation. Do you see how modeling that come follow me piece is different than 
come sit down in a discipleship class. Yep, absolutely. And it's a lot more fun. You go to the yeah. beach. You get to go to the beach. Right. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, that's in there somewhere. Yeah, we just, like absolutely. the guys, we just lay under cars and work on stuff yeah. or drive four-wheelers. They go to the beach. Yeah, or we let cars run over us, whatever or comes Or we first, get run you know? over by tow trucks. That's yeah. how God gets a hold of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's really important to add that in and help people understand that when we talk to movement people around the globe, people who are training us and disciple-making movements, they would tell, if they, if Jeff would say this, but others would also stand up here and say this, if we are going to see a movement of disciple-makers happen in this country, in our time, it will happen on the backs of women. Not in this country, right here in this church. Right here, here now. Here yes. and where, and so there's a the the one of the first maybe the first uh, evangelist coming out of time with Jesus is a is a woman John chapter four yeah. this woman who who gets connected with Jesus and immediately goes and 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 brings an entire town um, to Christ and so one of the things that cannot be overlooked is that this is not this is not man's game. Mm-mm. This isn't uh, he, you know, he man, you know, power and no girls in our club. That that women need to rise up, and and God has a plan for you, and Christ is calling you into this same mission with an identity for you in this front. Now, when all that comes to a head, and men and women get involved, uh, get involved in it. One of the things that's going to happen is fear is immediately going to rear its ugly head. Already, just in the conversation, hearing the story, already what's happening in some of your minds is, I can't do that. I will never have that story. It'll never happen for me. You say, I don't know enough. I haven't memorized enough. I didn't go to school. I'm not a communications army, blah, blah, blah. And we immediately go to fear. The most common command in Scripture, 365 times, conveniently enough, one for each day of your year, is fear not. Because when you listen to the voice of fear, you actually believe a lie about God and who God says you are and what you are capable of. And so you replace the truth of God with a lie for yourself to make yourself feel a little bit more comfortable. And so already right now we're saying, uh, I can't do that. I need some rules. Give me a class. Let me study that book. Let me do Because I can go to that thing and do that and I feel a lot better about myself. What you're saying is, no, it's more than that. We need to experience Jesus yeah. personally. John 10, 27, my sheep yeah. hear my voice and they follow. Yeah. So that fear piece is heavy on my heart again. I think we should have put that in when we originally talked about this. We added it last time, free of charge for you guys. You don't have to pay any extra for that. <laughs> we should have added that in because I think this is really important. Yep. So before we jump into that, I'm going to add a little bit on this fear, you guys, because fear. if you don't overcome the fear, you're, you're not going to move forward. And here's the reason why. Your decision-making is on fear right now. No matter how much you love God, if your decisions are made on fear, your decisions are not made from God. Listen to this. So in 1 John chapter 1, start 6 and 7, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So check this out, you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm in Iraq, and we just got blown up. We received fire. We're getting shot at, right? We see the dude who's shooting at, one of the dudes who's shooting at us, right? And it's, it's in, at night. There's some lights around, right? So night vision goggles are not really working. We just got to use the flashlights on, on our weapons. We see this dude run into a building, and we're close enough. So my team runs over, 
we enter the building, we see him go into a door, right? And so my team stacks on the wall, and we're going we're gonna to breach through the door, and we're going to go in and take care of business, right? So I'm number two in the stack. And so the adrenaline's pumping, we're ready to go, no night vision, it's, it's kind of dark in here, but inside this room there's no light, right? So number one man kicks the door, I'm number two man, I flow through just like I'm taught, right? I'm going around the, the door, I'm doing everything I'm taught, I, I go to uh, hit my, my surefire, my flashlight, that's what's going to light up the room, and it's so bright that it like stuns people when the light goes on, so I hit my flashlight, and good all-American military, we... we uh, contract out to the lowest common bidder, and so my flashlight doesn't work. It's pitch black. So what do I do? Go ahead. This is interactive. You can talk in this church here. What do I do? What should I do? Cry. There's, I hear somebody on the back side of this room. There's somebody over there. When I come in, I, and we saw him come in. There's somebody there. I'm coming in. It's pitch black. What do I do? Start shooting, right? Okay, so thank God my training kicks in, right? Because when I come in and it's pitch black, you guys, this is what happens in the dark. Everyone becomes the enemy. You remember when you're a kid and the monster's in your closet when the light goes out? As soon as the light goes out, everything's the enemy. Everything wants to hurt you, even the things that aren't there. And so I go into this room, and you're right, man. Our heart says enemy everywhere. I know he's the enemy. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Training says continue to roll to my corner. Get out of the cone of death. Go to my corner. Number three man comes in behind me. Shines his flashlight. And sure enough, there's people over there. And they're all children. And there was a door on the backside. And the guy had gone straight through. And so had I made my decisions based on fear, not based on God, not based on my training, if I made my decisions based on fear, lots of dead children. And you guys, that's what we do even as Christians. We let Satan bring fear into our life and we don't even know it. We lie to ourselves. We continue to tell lies. We don't face up to the truth. We don't say, I'm scared. And so we make our decision based on fear. And you know what? spiritually, there's lots of dead children all over the place because we just make decisions based on fear. So yeah. how do we get over that? Now we're back on track like we did the last time. That's all right. John 10, 27. Take it wherever you want. Okay, here take we it, go. Take it here we want. go. This is just um, a challenge. I can go way past this the, number. The clock right here was a challenge. We've beat it. We beat it once. We know we, we're pretty cl- sure we can beat it again. That clock's got nothing that, on me. That clock's, it's, it's like your GPS on Google Maps, right? That's right. It's just a time to yeah, beat. Yeah, that's not yeah, directions. It's, not a, Goog- it's just that, a time that's, to beat. Yeah, that's a challenge. Exactly. So <laughs> 33 minutes to get there? I got that in 27. You can do that in 27 easy. Easy. Um. John so, ten twenty seven. That is where you were. Do you want to add more on that? Yeah. Go so ahead. how do we get over fear? John ten twenty seven says the sheep hear his voice. He knows them and they obey him. That's not just come to church. That is me personally. I need to connect with and hear from Jesus. And when I do, I obey him. Now, despite me being scared, my decision is made on what does Jesus tell me to do. That, guys, is an experience. That's an experiential relationship with Jesus. 
You want to talk about making disciples, which we know from Matthew 4.19, that's what you were made to do. You cannot do that if you don't have an experience with Jesus. You can't reproduce an experience you don't have. I'll leave it at that. I was really ready to let you preach there for another five. I I thought you were going. I know. Okay, you're going to leave it there? All right. Yeah. Okay, all right. Jeff and Beth, based on this kind of thinking and training over the last two, two and a half years, have trained and led over a thousand disciples from their home and from where they work. Okay, this is not a brick and mortar. We need to draw the miniature. They've done this from right where they are because they believe that is their identity, who Christ has called them to be, and they are experiencing this Jesus personally, and that is affecting what results in their life. They're not waiting on a small group study to tell them that was what they were supposed to do. They are experiencing it from Christ personally themselves, and this is the end result. And then you get to a place like Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read this, and there are a bunch of principles in here um, that Jeff wants to pull out for us, but I'm going I'm to read Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to go down through verse 11, and we're going to pull out these principles in here of experiencing Jesus, of, of what it means when he says, hey, I got a question for you, and how you experience that and move forward. Luke chapter 5, starting verse 1, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. That is commercial business language for they were done for the day. When you clean your nets and pack it up, you're done for the day. They were done working. They had no intention of going anywhere back near the water. Jesus got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man. Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of uh, uh, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed Jesus. Principles you want to pull out of there. So Jesus walks up. Peter's working on his nets. Peter's a commercial fisherman, so this is not a bobber and a hook, right? This is hard labor that he's, that he's doing. In Scripture, especially in Isaiah, we, we see three places that we're called to look, spiritually speaking. You can do it physically, I guess, if you want. Uh, we're called to look up at God. And when we look up at God... He causes us to look in at ourselves. And once we look in at ourselves, then it causes us to look out at others. But Jesus walks up and Peter's looking down. And nowhere in Scripture are we called to look down. And his looking down is his work. And that's us. That's so many of us. 
We're just consumed with I go to work, I pay the bills, I do what I'm doing, I, I might try to make disciples, but I'm just like, I'm here. And what you get in there, throughout Scripture, there's two words for, for time, um, kairos and chronos, right? Chronos uh, is what you get chronologically, or chron- you know, that's just time going by. But kairos time, when Jesus says, uh, repent for the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, that, that word time that he's talking about is kairos time. And kairos time is when kairos stops, the heavens open, and God interacts, and God steps down, and the kingdom of God is at hand. That's kairos time. Right? And when Jesus steps up to Peter's boat, that's a Kairos moment. And the kingdom of God advances through Kairos moments. And Kairos moments are happening for all of us all the time. That's how God speaks. That's how God works, right? But here's the deal. Peter's consumed with his looking down in his work. Jesus steps in his boat Probably the first time ever in Peter's life, he's, he's caused to look up. Probably the first time. He's confronted with the Kairos moment. Now, this is not about Peter doing. This is about Peter receiving. And there's a question that Peter has right here. It's a yes or no question. Do I let Jesus in my boat? If I say no, I go back to Kronos time. My life drudges on. I might. Peter had a house. He had a family. Peter had like... In American terms, like Peter had it going on, right? He had the all-American dream back then. Peter had a good business. He could have been happy to just chronos time live life if he said no. But Peter says yes, and his whole life changes. You say yes in a kairos moment, your whole life changes. It all changes everything. So Peter says yes. Jesus steps in his boat. Then Jesus says push out a little bit from the land. Kairos time, right? Peter's got the choice, yes or no. He says, no, hey, we're cool. I can be a Christian, sit in the church. Kronos time goes by. I show up. I burp babies. I pick up chairs. We're good. That's we stuff's still gotta need be you done. to pick up chairs. That stuff's got to be know. done. Yeah, don't hear that. That's, okay, that's right. got to be done. That was an example, yeah. okay? Kronos can happen while Kairos right. is going. Yeah. They can work so, simultaneously. He could say no and stay there. Or he could say yes and his whole life changes again. Whole life changes again. Right? And so he says yes. Then Jesus says push out into deeper water. Doesn't tell him. He asks him, would you push out into deeper water? Says no. We can stay there. We can be, you know, a little bit like maybe I'll share with my neighbor. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll be out in the water. Or we can say yes to pushing out deeper and our whole life changes again. All of it changes again. Then Jesus tells him to throw his nets out again. First time we get pushback from Peter because, here we go, guys. Hey, me and Jesus, we're cool in this arena, but don't you dare come into my job. Stay out of my job, right? We got Jesus time, we got real time, right? And that's the pushback we're getting from Peter here. I'm a fisherman, what do you know, guy? So Peter gives pushback, but then the beauty of it is at your command, Lord, right? I don't get it. I don't get it, but I'm going to do it, which reveals to us Peter is not fishing. Peter's obeying. You, tr- you see that? You tracking that? He's not doing what a normal fisherman would do. He's just obeying Jesus. And when he does, 
He throws the nets out, and he catches a ton of fish, right? He starts to bear fruit. You want to bear fruit? As a, as spiritually, you want to bear fruit? Then you receive from him. You don't go do for him. You talk to him. When he speaks, you obey. You do what he says. That's receiving from him, and you will bear fruit. Now, check this out, guys. This is amazing. You want to find your identity. You want to find your purpose in life, what you were made for. Look at what happens to Peter. He pulls in two boatloads of fish, literally two boatloads of fish. He's a commercial fisherman. Dumbest, like worst business decision you could ever make. Hey, everybody, I got so much. Why don't you guys come take my profits? Right? No. Peter's identity is a leader of men. He pulls people in. Look at him throughout the epistles. What does he do? He's doing it right now for the first time. What he's going to become. So Jesus led Peter through obedience into his identity. Peter didn't have to say, Jesus, hold on, man. I got to go do a spiritual gifts test. And then I'm going to figure it all out. And I'm going to come back to you. And then once I know me, then I can reveal that to you, Jesus. And then we can go work. No, Peter just obeyed and Jesus led him into the identity. He didn't have to even think about it. It just came out. You guys, you were created by God in the womb before anything. He made you in that special way. And you will never, ever be content until that comes out. You know I'm right. It's in your heart. You feel it. I know it. That's how we were made. And that only comes out as we obey him. Do you see that in this story? And, and I think, I, not to tag on too much to that, but there's a couple other things here that are going on. One is, in our again, we view, we view church and the discipleship stuff through the Western lens. And what is Western society saying to you to do right now? What does culture tell you is the thing that you should be achieving? You should be achieving comfort. Mm -hmm. And any time you encounter something that isn't comfortable, your assumption is what? Something's wrong. Yeah. Some, I messed something up. Somebody's messed because I'm feeling uncomfortable. I should have a white picket fence and three puppies and a farm and everything should be okay and I should never have problems. I gave my life to Jesus. It should all be okay. Join the army. They'll take care of that. They'll, tell, they'll fix that for you. What happens as soon as Peter obeys Jesus, his nets break. His livelihood starts to crumble before his eyes. That's not comfort. And yet through the discomfort he steps into his identity that Christ is calling him to. If I could challenge us as the Linton Hall campus in one thing, it would be stop seeking your comfort. Yeah. That will stop you from doing anything in the kingdom identity that God is calling you to. Your comfort is not the main driver. What Jesus tells you to do, following, obeying, whatever you command, Lord, is your, should be your driver. And then the other thing that ends up happening here, Peter gets really honest for us. Uh, as Jeff was saying before, when we act in fear in the dark, we start to believe things that aren't true. Everybody becomes the enemy. When we lie to ourselves over years of layers and layers, that preacher that you had at that one church way back when, when you were 20 or 25 or whatever, who said that thing to you that still haunts you to this day, or your parents have that thing that they did to you and that that haunts you still to this day, you get to this point, 
and you've been lying to yourself about what you're capable of, of what you could do because you believe, I can't be that because somebody said and you believe a lie about yourself. Not from God. That's not from God. So listen to, even in, even in Peter's almost pushback, Peter's honesty in this story, go away from me, Jesus. I'm a sinful man. You know what that is? That's honesty. Mm -hmm. Peter is coming out of the dark and saying something that is true. And Jeff would say, at that point, God can do something with you when you start telling the truth. You have, did you want to layer Amen. that up? Amen. No. The way you know this, guys, if you're believing something in your life and it requires no faith, that's not from God. When God speaks to you, it requires faith, right? You can start a movement. Does that require faith? Yeah. You're not good enough to start a movement. Does that require faith? None. To believe that you're not good enough to do something requires no faith at all. And that's what Satan uses. If you're believing that, man, he's winning in your life. It requires faith, which is going to be a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're supposed to get really practical right now and, and offer you something because I, my, con, my number one concern at this point is already that you're hearing in your head, I, I, I like the stories they're sharing. I, that would be neat for me, maybe. I can't. Hmm. I don't know. I, and it is immediately a fear part of the conversation. And so we're supposed to get practical. I want to let you, though, if you have anything else you want to say before we get to that, yeah. give you a chance to. So, so as, we, as we talked about, this practical piece is, is not about just talking, right? This ain't going to happen. It's got to be modeled for you. You need to watch it, right? So if you're parenting your child and your child has a problem, so Stan is my child, right? And he's got a lot of problems. So I'm going to say, Stan, I'm going to pull up this Dr. Dobson show, and I want, you to, I want you to watch it, okay? Child, watch Dobson. He's great on parenting. Watch. And then when you come back, we're going to do a discussion about it. We're going to do some study. We're even going to search the scriptures for what Dobson said, and then, and then we're going to go from there. No, that's not how we parent, right? We, we watch Dobson, and then we model for our child. So the practical piece here, what he's going to talk about, you guys, it's not about just figure it out in your own head. It's a very simple step of obedience. When he lays something out, all you say is, link me up with someone to model this for me. Yeah. So what, one of the things we say in, in New Life Language, kind of uh, behind the scenes um, in, within our staff and stuff, is we ask the question, what's the win? Win stands for what's important now. And so right now, in my head, where I go is what, is, what is important right now for you to do something now, to take action, to not let this grow cold, and that is to challenge you and encourage you, and as much as I can say, you need to say yes and follow Jesus into this thing. Okay, that's where I'm at. That is what's important now. So what can you do right now today before you fall asleep tonight, before you even have lunch today? What can you do now? What's important now? What will be the win? Two things. Number one, before Jesus can get into the boat with Simon Peter, when he says, hey, I'm coming in your boat, Peter has to say yes. Peter has to say yes to Jesus. Now, some of you, this is going to be, it's going to be hard to wrestle with because you've been coming to church for so long, and that mm. one time at church camp at eight, 
you said yes, mm-hmm. and so you thought that was the, like the adventure, that was it, just show up next week and burp babies, and that's what you've been buying for a long time. The idea of saying yes to Jesus is this moment of complete surrender that says, it is not about me, it is not my identity, I have believed lies about myself, there is something that Jesus wants to do with me that I need to get out of the way. That step is baptism. Baptism is when you say, I can't, it's not about me. It's not my identity. It's not what I can do in my own power. It is actually me dying to myself. Baptism is the symbol and the connection of death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus Christ. It is uniting with him. Baptism is the saying, yes to Jesus, let him in the boat to lead the way. It is you saying, it is this moment where it is all about whatever Jesus wants. I will obey into that next Thing. It is not about, well, I'm going to kind of let, that was a really good talk. Uh, I might be here. Next. Like, it's, it is so much more than that. <sighs> Jesus, come into the boat, and you get to direct the ship. That's one. So maybe you're sitting there going, I know I need to do that. I've wrestled with that. I've thought about it. Why do I keep putting it off? I don't know why you keep putting it off. Acts 22 is very clear. Rise up. What Mm. are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. Rise up. Get up now. Go be baptized. Wash away your sins. Call on his name. Like It is this immediacy of... Don't miss the Kairos moment. Don't miss your Kairos moment. Mm -mm. You may be wrestling with it right now, and God may be coming to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you going, this is your moment. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. It's not a wait and see and learn 50 books about it until I have a grasp on what the... No. Who cares if it's awkward? Just get in. Do what God tells you. Who cares if it's awkward? We are just saying, Jesus says, can I get in the boat? Push out. Push deeper. Yes. 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 Just do it. That's step one. Step two is, who is somebody, and I'll put this in a couple of contexts because we do still have chairs that need to be stacked. So (laughs) you say, uh, I need to stack chairs. Who can you stack chairs with? Yeah. Who can you bring alongside and begin to develop that community that he was talking about with the Reebok story to where you grow into family while you're serving? The deeper, uh, the deeper application into that is I need to read Scripture. I need to pray. Who can I read Scripture and pray with? So now you think of people who are in your, your, your circle of influence, people you know, a, a neighbor, a friend, a person from church that you sit with every week or whatever. Hey, let's get together and read the Bible. Oh, well, we don't know how to do that. Well, we want to help you do that. And so at the end of the service, back by our green banner in the back, one of our disciple makers is going to be there. Uh, Chris and Beth is actually going to be back there as well. So if you're a lady going, I'm not talking to some guy, like they're both going to be there. And if you're sitting there going, I want to read with somebody, I want to take these steps, but I don't know, I don't know how, we have people that today, before you leave, before you have a bite of lunch, can walk you through exactly how to do that and begin to help you with the process. So if you're going, I want to do that, don't know how, you're going to have two people in the back today that can give you the very next step. It is simple. You can do this. It is who, it's what Jesus says about you. If you remember back to last week, you're made to follow. Jesus chose us. We didn't choose him. We were made for this. This is our identity. And my encouragement, my hope, and my prayer is that you will step into that identity fully and do whatever Jesus is calling you to next. You want to add anything before I pray? Mm. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we, once again, we pause humbly. God, I pray for each person in this room. God, I, I, I know I've heard the stories and had the conversations. I know that so much of this can instill fear and makes us... So nervous, but God, I I pray that each person here would hear from you. 
that your voice would speak so clearly to them in this moment. And God, I pray that this becomes a Kairos moment for somebody. That this is the invite into the kingdom. That this is the, hey, can I get in your boat? Hey, can I come all up in your business? And God, I pray that this is the time when we will say yes. The adventure is so much greater than just trying to maintain, trying to get by, trying to succeed, trying to make it to next Sunday. The adventure is so much bigger than that. And God, this most radical thing that you call us to, this crazy concept in Christianity of making disciples who will make disciples. God, I pray each person in this room hears your voice clearly, sees what is next in front of them, says yes to you. And when you say push out a little bit deeper, God, I pray our response is obedience. And whatever the next step is, we find the person, we get trained up, we read with somebody, whatever that thing is, God, I pray we push deeper as we obey you, as we do what you're calling us to do. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for his life, what he has modeled for us, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for your grace. Father, may we walk in that as we reach and tell others about how much you have done for us. May we experience you in this moment. Father, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.